This afternoon I preach to you the Word of God as it is summarized and confessed by the church. The Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Days 5 and 6, to join together because they explain how Jesus Christ satisfies the justice of God and how that's revealed to us in Scripture. Lord's Days 5 and 6, here the church confesses, since according to God's righteous judgment, we deserve temporal and eternal punishment, how can we escape this punishment and be again received into favor? God demands that his justice be satisfied. Therefore, we must make full payment, either by ourselves or through another. Can we our, by ourselves make this payment? Certainly not. On the contrary, we daily increase our debt. Can any mere creature pay for us? No. In the first place, God will not punish another creature for the sin which man has committed. Furthermore, no mere creature can sustain the burden of God's eternal wrath against sin and deliver others from it. What kind of mediator and deliverer must we seek? One who is a true and righteous man and yet more powerful than all creatures, that is, one who is at the same time true God. Why must he be a true and righteous man? He must be a true man because the justice of God requires that the same human nature which is sinned should pay for sin. He must be a righteous man because one who himself is a sinner cannot pay for others. Why must he at the same time be true God? He must be true God so that by the power of his divine nature he might bear in his human nature the burden of God's wrath and might obtain for us and restore to us righteousness and life. But who is that mediator who at the same time is true God and a true and righteous man? Our Lord Jesus Christ, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, as we read in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30. From where do you know this? From the Holy Gospel which God himself first revealed in paradise. Later he had it proclaimed by the patriarchs and prophets and foreshadowed by the sacrifices and other ceremonies of the law. Finally, he had it fulfilled through his only son. We'll also read few, uh, some parts of the Belgic Confession. And the first part we'll read is on page 506. Article 19, talking about the two natures in the one person of Christ. Page 506, Article 19. And we're going to read the very last paragraph, and then we're going to read Article 20. So the very last paragraph of Article 19 on page 506. For this reason we profess him to be true God and true man. True God in order to conquer death by his power and true man that he might die for us according to the infirmity of his flesh. In Article 20, we believe that God who is perfectly merciful and just sent his son to assume that nature in which disobedience had been committed 
to make satisfaction in that same nature and to bear the punishment of sin by his most bitter passion and death, where passion means suffering. God therefore manifested his justice against his son when he laid our iniquity on him and poured out his goodness and mercy on us who were guilty and worthy of damnation. Out of a most perfect love, he gave his son to die for us and he raised him for our justification that through him we might obtain immortality and life eternal. And then we'll read the first paragraph of Article 26. It's on page 509. We believe that we have no access to God except through the only mediator and advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. For this purpose he became man, uniting together the divine and human nature that we might not be barred from but have access to the divine majesty. This mediator, however, whom the Father has ordained between himself and us, should not frighten us by his greatness so that we look for another according to our fancy. There is no creature in heaven or on earth who loves us more than Jesus Christ. Though he was in the form of God, he emptied himself taking the form of man and of a servant for us and was made like his brothers in every respect. If, therefore, we had to look for another intercessor, could we find one who loves us more than he who laid down his life for us, even while we were his enemies? If we had to look for one who has authority and power, who has more than he who is seated at the right hand of the Father and who has all authority in heaven and on earth, Moreover, who will be heard more readily than God's own well-beloved Son? Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Christians know that it's important to read the Bible and visits in your homes, in sermons, pastors and elders, they often tell you that it's important to read your Bible every day, several times. Maybe it's suggested to do it along with meals, certainly by yourself before you go to bed at night. Or if you're sad or you're anxious, your Christian friend will encourage you to read the Bible we call the Bible sacred. The Word of God is holy. It's a light for our feet. And so we take our Bibles, it's good advice, and we, we start reading the Bible. But it's not always easy to understand why the Bible is so special, so important. And we can maybe ask the question sometimes, it's, as we're discussing the Bible as friends or family, we might ask, how is the description of the origin of mankind or descriptions of the Israelite nation or their civil codes to do with government or their religious ceremonies, how does that benefit us today? 
I'm a mother taking care of my children in home, at home. I'm, I'm someone who's, who's going out to, to work every day. And so sadly, many people have decided that they will only read passages of Scripture that tell them what to do directly. And so they place themselves in the center of their Bible study rather than placing the work of God in that center. And that's what all Scripture is telling us. It's describing the work of God. And when we understand that the Bible is really a revelation of our Creator to creatures about His glorious work of redemption and salvation, then we realize that we turn to the Scriptures to learn more about God's saving work, how He saved us from sin, how He restores us to favor with God, how He takes away that fear we might have of death. And that's what we confess in the very end of Lord's Day 6, question and answer 19. We confess that the Bible... And every part of the Bible goes through the, from paradise to patriarchs to prophets to law to ceremony. It is all telling us about our Savior, Jesus Christ, the work of God, the mediator, Jesus Christ. That is the, the center of our joy, the reason for our celebration. We know that there is a mediator his name is Jesus Christ, and that's the theme of the message this afternoon. We'll see that Scripture shows us that Christ Jesus is necessary, He is unique, and He is merciful. When we look to Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 to 15, you see a summary there of all that is taught to us in the Old Testament. It tells us that after the fall into sin, mankind, you can see in verse 13, dead in our trespasses. And then it goes on to tell us that the world is full of, of rulers and authorities and evil spiritual forces that, that hate God and the church. And there's philosophies and empty deceit that is according to the elemental spirits of the world. You can see that also in verse 8 of chapter 2. But even when God established his covenant with believers and their children whom he had chosen before the foundation of the world, they also were able to, unable to keep the legal demands of God's holy covenant law. You can see that's mentioned in verse 14. And we confess together as a church, and we've done that also in the last uh, several Sundays as we looked at the, the Lord's days before, that we ourselves are Sinners, we, are, we daily increase our debt. We are equally prone to rebel against God. We, we have that fight within ourselves. We can see it. This is what the gospel teaches us. It confirms for us. The, the book of Levit Leviticus, it's also referred to when it talks about the sacrifices and other ceremonies of the law. It explains to the world that the covenant people of God have to constantly purify themselves if they wanted to remain in the presence of God who was in their midst in the tabernacle and later in the temple. 
Throughout their lives, people were receiving daily reminders of their uncleanness. You read about it in Leviticus. You read that the people were unclean because of contact with filthy animals, corpses. They were made impure because of skin infections, emissions, reproductive system cycles, diseases. In fact, after reading Leviticus, it was very clear to everyone and us today as well that every day we do things that increase the gap between the holy God and creatures. The battle against impurity is constant. And that sinfulness, it creates a barrier between God and his people. And we're still, rather than drawing nearer to God or even seeking him in spite of this barrier, we recognize in ourselves a tendency to, to actually turn away from him, to increase our debt. And then it is very clear to us that God himself needs to intervene. He needs to cancel the record of the debt that stands against us, between us. We need our Lord to, to pin or nail our sins to, to someone else who can pay for us. We cannot pay it ourselves. Well, when we keep reading in the Old Testament, we see that God said there's a way to, to come to him still. The Old Testament was through the animal sacrifices. The, the Lord said he would accept a substitute, blood from an animal. And then once their sins were paid for, he also explained how they could continue to walk with him through these other sacrifices, thanksgiving offerings, fellowship offerings, burnt offerings. And the gospel message is clear to see already in the Old Testament. It is possible for even us impure sinners to have peace with the holy creator of heaven and earth. And you can imagine the joy of the Israelites to know that because you have the same joy. God has provided a way to enter into fellowship with him. It's possible to have peace with God even after the fall into sin, but not through the animals. The animals were only a temporary way of pacifying the wrath of God. This morning we read a passage from Romans 3 where that was explicitly stated. The Old Testament shows us exactly why we need Jesus Christ as our only mediator. And that's what we confess in the catechism. We confess that, that no mere creature can pay for us. Those animals cannot pay, cancel, to, to pay to cancel the debt. Not even angels can pay for sins that man has committed. If you're following along, that is made clear in what we confess in question and answer 14. Animals cannot be effective substitutes because they are animals and not human beings. Another problem is that the punishment we deserve for sin against the most high majesty of God is an eternal punishment. It takes eternity to pay the debt that stands against us. And so no mere creature can sustain the burden of God's wrath against sin. 
and deliver others from it. But there's more. For even if a creature, a sinner, managed to find a way to, to pay their debt against a sovereign God, you still need to be received into God's favor again. After being raised from the dead in our, uh, from being dead in our transgressions and our trespasses, we have not gained anything if we are not also restored to favor with God. A dead passive sacrifice of an animal may have kept the wrath of God away for a while in the Old Testament, but every sinner really needs a living sacrifice and an open door that gives continual access to the throne room of God Almighty. And then as we, we read through the Word of God, we recognize very clearly who we are, how we are sinners, how we are estranged from our Maker because of those sins, we also see how much we need Jesus Christ, the perfect mediator. And he is also revealed in these same scriptures. After studying the line of God's sovereign plan and the word of God, and you can notice how Lord's Day 6, 2 in our confession, it's, it's drawn like a line. God first revealed himself in paradise, and then later through the patriarchs and the prophets, and there was this foreshadowing and the laws and, and the sacrifices. It, it came to the end. It came to the glorious goal of Jesus Christ. And then we see it. That's what we need. We need, as we confess, one who is a true and righteous man to be our substitute, and yet one who is more powerful than all creatures, who is at the same time true God. And question and answer 17 explain that more, so that by the power of his divine nature, he might bear in his human nature the burden of God's wrath and might obtain for us and restore to us righteousness and life. There's only one who can fulfill what we need. The absolutely necessary mediator who has gone through the heavens, Jesus Christ. And that is why Christians say, read, read your Bible. Read your Bible and see how Jesus Christ shines in every part of Scripture. And see there the mediator. He's not just a, a fairy tale character, but God himself speaks to us and says, Behold your Savior. He exists. He is reigning in the heavens. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he is unique. The passage we read in Colossians 2 celebrates how Jesus Christ is unique. It's, it celebrates how his work is special. He is the only mediator who can help you. Our confession emphasizes that Jesus Christ is the wonderful mediator because he is 100% man and 100% God. He has two natures, a human nature and a divine nature. Scriptures are very clear about this. Colossians chapter 1 
verses 15 to 16, tells you that Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation by whom all things were created in heaven and on earth. And then Colossians 2 verse 9 continues by announcing that in Christ Jesus, who was born of woman, born under the law, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. He is the head of all rule and all authority. Verses 19 and 20. The same, you can see that in chapter 1, verses 19 and 20 as well. The same divine Savior also had a human nature. He was descended the line of David. He emptied himself of his he emptied himself to become a human being, we read in Philippians chapter 2. He fulfilled all the promises that were made in the Old Testament. He fulfilled all the offices that God established in the Old Testament. He is the mediator, the Messiah, prophet, priest, and king. He perfectly obeyed all the law. He completed perfectly, and finally, all the sacrifices, all the ceremonies of the law. That's why we read scriptures, to see and to, to celebrate the completeness of the work of Jesus Christ. We, we can read any part and we can say, yes, that's true in Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And that's how he brought reconciliation between God and sinners. While human mediators will often encourage both sides in a conflict and each side is encouraged to contribute something or, or give up something else to, to reach an agreement. This was not possible in our case because God is eternally perfect. There's nothing to give up. There's, there's nothing more to contribute. We are not equal partners in the covenant relationship. That record of debt is standing there and it needs to be paid. It's ever-increasing. God owes nothing to man, and indeed God doesn't need us to be God. God does not change. He remains perfect in his holiness, in his, in his righteousness, in his majesty, in his glory, and in his mercy. And so we confess very specifically, therefore we must make full payment. Do you see how the mediator did that? He said, I will make that payment. I will be the substitute for every human being who believes in me. I will pay that debt. He is a unique mediator because he's a substitute. He, he entered into the the question, and, and he took our place. He bore the, the wrath of God against our sins, and then he offered that perfect obedience for us in our place. So, so when God looks on us, he sees innocent, pure, and holy children hidden in Jesus Christ, found in Christ. That's the Savior and the Deliverer we worship, we adore today. When Jesus Christ was 
cut off by God. He guaranteed that he would put off the sins of all who believe in him. Colossians 2 verse 11 refers to that. When Christ rose to new life, he said, whoever believes in him is also raised to new life together with him. Verses 12 to 13 of Colossians chapter 2. And since he was at the same time true God, he was able to bear the burden of God's wrath to restore us to fellowship with God again. We're, we're able to look at our creator without fear. There is no other mediator in heaven or on earth who can accomplish what Christ Jesus has accomplished for sinners. He is unique. He is the only way to salvation. And all the scriptures reveal this mediator. And when we, when we study them and when we, we read them, they give us great encouragement in our tribulations and in our challenges of this life. God has not left us alone. There is a mediator. There is a deliverer. We do not need to fear. He is unique and he is our Lord who has become to us, wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And the good news is that he didn't just do that for himself, but he did it for you who believe, for all of us who believe in him. He is merciful. And as we're reading scripture, that question must always be on our mind, we, we, we can see very clearly that it's all pointing to Jesus Christ. It's all pointing to our mediator and deliverer. And as we're reading and, and as we're studying as a family, we can ask the question, well, how does this point to Jesus Christ? And we can discuss that together. And then we can discuss what Jesus Christ has done as our, as our Lord and Savior, but always ask the question as well, why? Why did he do this? Why would the Son of God empty himself this way? Why would he take on human nature and offer himself as a sacrifice that died on a cross in Golgotha? Golgotha is a place here on earth. Quite different from the glory of heaven. Do you know why? It's a staggering thought, isn't it? God sent his only begotten son as a mediator because he loves you. He wants to save you from eternal condemnation. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, because he wants to live with you in peace and harmony. He, he wants to, to walk together. He wants to dwell with us in peace for all eternity. He pointed to that already in the Old Testament with the, with the tabernacle and the temple right in the midst of, of the people. The cloud, the pillar of cloud that was leading them by day and by night. He wants to be with us. He wants us to be with him. And the gospel promise we proclaim a gospel promise of the love of God that came at the cost of the Son of God who cried out with the words that we all deserved to cry out for eternity 
my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, we confess in Article 26 of the Belgian Confession that the Son of God took on his human nature for our sakes so that there was a purpose, there was a goal, so that we might have access into the heavenly throne room of God. That's praying. Every time you you pray, your, your prayers come up into the throne room of God. That's why Jesus Christ came. So you can have that fellowship with your Creator. In the same article, we're assured. Maybe you caught this as we were reading it. There is no other creature in heaven or on earth who loves us more than Jesus Christ. Don't look for love in the wrong places. See your mediator, Jesus Christ. And then we can understand why the Holy Spirit is so triumphant in Colossians chapter 2. Colossians 2 verse 13, he declares triumphantly that God made us alive together with Jesus Christ. He lifted, it us, lifted us up with him so that we can stand in the presence of God. He has forgiven all our trespasses. Colossians 2, verse 13. We are alive. We may walk with him, rooted and built up in him and established in our faith, just as we were taught, abounding in steadfast love. Colossians 2, verses 6 and seven, our faith in Jesus Christ changes our perspective. It helps us to, to look at life with the right vision. There is no more punishment in store for our sins. Jesus Christ bore it all. There is no hell for those who are in Christ Jesus. Christ has paid the debt completely as our perfect mediator. That's the the joyful message in in Lord's Days 5 and 6 that we confess. And there's nothing we can add to the payment. We can connect that to the, the sermon this morning. Our works are lost and rubbish, and now we see how much they are when we compare it to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord and Savior. That's why Christians say, read your Bible every day. Don't forget why we are here, how we are here, and why God sent his Son. And we do well to invest our time and our energy in studying his work, being reminded of it daily and in all circumstances. We know about our salvation from the Holy Gospel, from the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. And it's very clear. In Christ, we have peace with our Creator. We escape punishment, and we are again received into favor, just as it was in paradise. What comfort, what hope. Amen.